Well, um, so I just want to make one observation. <clears throat> if the service ever seems like it's going slow or dragging for you, just volunteer to preach one day. It'll go a lot faster. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, he gets it. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to jump into it if that's okay with you. So we live in America, right? What's America about? We're all about capitalism, the struggle to beat everybody else. It's all about competition, always fighting to be better, right? America was founded by Christians. That's where the Puritans from England came over here to escape persecution. Our principles of life and our culture are based on Christian values. That might not be what it's about completely now, but that is where their roots are in our Christian values. Christians are born, or why did I write that? Christians are made to struggle and fight. That is their purpose. They have to struggle against Satan. Oops. They have to struggle against Satan, against their own temptations, against their own pitfalls. It's a struggle against society, against other people. They are born and God, they're born and made by God to have many obstacles in their life. Now, I assume we've all heard of the armor of God. It's that thing Paul talks about with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and the sword of the Holy Spirit, all that. Why is it the armor of God? Why not the pajamas? We, God, several times in the Bible, God says he'll set us free by his love. So why can't freedom just be we're relaxing and enjoying life? Why is it the armor of God? Why is it not the Sunday picnic clothes of God? Why is it not that anything else? Why did Paul use armor? Because Paul knew that as Christians, we have to always be prepared to fight. Always. In my experiences and in my testimony, I'll share that a bit with you. I can testify to that. Satan will use every possible way and every possible means to attack you. Anything. Even your own Christianity. He'll play on each person's specific faults and downfalls. For me, it was my stress and my pride, mostly. The stress came from, well, this year, my dad was left without a job. Then, well, he did start his own business, and we've got it going. Nothing really changed dramatically but in, in our way of life, but it was a sharp increase in stress and tension. My mom is severely injured. She can barely move in the morning. Almost constantly, she says that it feels like a hammer is being pounded on her neck. She can't work. I feel estranged from my sisters. I li I, my room is in the upstairs room. It used to be our attic. My two sisters live downstairs. All I do is play video games, so I kind of separated from my family a little bit. It's kind of my fault, but still. 
complications with my college registration. I thought I had a full ride to Winthrop and it turns out I don't. But we're struggling to get through that. We, we, we've been testing at high school for four weeks straight. <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> why does God allow this to happen? I gave my life to God. Why is he doing all this to me? Why, 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 why? Some of us may be asking us this, just yelling at God, asking why. It's so that we can be stronger. When uh, Corey was out of town the other week, he asked me to lead the group in, a, in the youth group. I didn't really have to speak there because we were just doing a video uh, curriculum. But he asked me to talk a little bit, and so I did. What that week was about was, why does God allow suffering in the world? If God was so good and he's so powerful, well, then how does he allow suffering? Either he's not good and he's evil and he likes us to suffer, or he's not powerful and he can't get rid of the suffering. It's got to be one of those two. That's not the case. I use this example. Um, when you're working out, okay, and you're trying to get muscle, really, really strong. So not like me. <laughs> but when you're working out, like when you're actually doing the action of lifting weights or put whatever it is, what does it feel like? You're burning, right? Your muscles, there's a burn. Your, tr your fi fitness trainer, your gym coach, whatever, will always be like, feel the burn, feel the pain. Well, that's because that means your muscles are getting stronger. Well, after that burn, your muscles are like, oh, hey, that hurt. Let's get better so next time it won't hurt as much. And then your muscles get bigger. I'll use another example. Let's say we have a block of granite, and you're a master sculptor. You want to create something beautiful, something awesome. You have to take your chip and your hammer, your chisel and your hammer, and hack away at it. Every time, imagine you are the, that block of granite. Every time that master sculptor chips off a piece of you, that's got to hurt. He's hammering away at you with all his force to break rock. But it's all to make something beautiful. So God allows suffering so that we can be part of his plan and be part of what he wants for us. So that was about the, my stress in my life. Now about my pride. In all of those things that I said have happened in my life, I tried to still be a model Christian. Still be humble and just take it as it comes and not complain about it. That can lead to a lot of pride. Because I start thinking, well... I look around me and I see other Christians and they're complaining about their small problems. And I'm thinking to myself, well, your situation is not half as bad as mine and I'm not even complaining about it. And so I start getting prideful and be like, ooh, I'm a better Christian. That's Satan. That's Satan using our position as Christians, as followers of God. Satan is that far-reaching into our lives. He has a tendril of his darkness into every aspect of our lives, even where, even in the most sacred parts. 
and you might not expect it. That might sound a little scary, but you, there's some good news. Anytime you want, you can call upon Jesus, and you can banish Satan from your, from your life. Just say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, get away from me, and he'll do it. He can't say no. He's got to be gone. Anyways, I know God gave me great talents and intellect, and more so than other people. And I know he wants me to use it for good. I've decided I want to be a teacher, and that's what I want to do with my intellect and my teaching abilities. However, Satan often tries to use that against me. He often gives me a rush of feeling superior whenever I'm trying to help someone out by teaching them. He often makes me stubborn and arrogant in my decisions, in my opinions on things. It makes me want to just be right. Even when I know I'm not, I'm still going to fight for it. Why? That's Satan. God allows this to happen so that I can be more humble. So, why does God allow all this? So that we can be what he wants us to be. If God's plan for the universe is a blueprint, he's trying to build the building on that blueprint. He's an architect. He needs tools to do that. He needs materials. He might take, he, he needs tools, and those tools are you. So sometimes, though, you're not the right tool, and God won't use you for something. That's okay. You just have to trust in God's plan that he'll figure it out. Because um, you certainly wouldn't want to use a jackhammer to put a nail on a board. But you wouldn't want to use a screwdriver to get one of those three-foot-long bolts into a building. God has a specific need in a specific time for when he wants you to be used. Now, how does God change you into, these, into what he needs? Well, it's not as simple as uh, picking up a tool, wiping off the dirt on it, and then using it. It can be as dramatic as he picks up the tool and then turns that tool into a giant crane. Like, so I'm using all these images. That's how I, that, I use metaphors a lot. Let's say, let, let's just say you're a tool. Let's just say Gary's over here is a wrench. Before he went to seminary, Gary was not planning to be a preacher, preacher I don't think. Were you? No. <laughs> he was just chilling, doing, doing what God thought he wanted to do. And God picked him up and turned him into something completely different. Now he's a preacher. That's what God does. It's not as easy as just taking off a few blemishes or a few marks of dirt. Sometimes he'll change you completely. It's like magic.
I've actually run out of everything on my paper. I'm going to just keep talking because I think, I think that's, God, that's what God wants me to do. Sometimes it's hard to see and know what God wants in your life. And I think that's okay. Because imagine if we all knew what everybody else in this room was thinking at every exact moment. There would be nothing interesting to talk about. Hey, did you see the game last week? You wouldn't be able to ask that. You know they saw the game last week. Hey, how are you doing? You know how they're doing. So sometimes you might be frustrated that you don't know exactly what God's playing, but that's because he loves you. And in that relationship, in a relationship, you never know 100% about the other person. Never. That's impossible. There's no way that would work. You would get bored or you get just frustrated by what they do. So sometimes God hides his motives for something or he hides the ultimate plan, but he gives you just this one little piece. And that's okay. It's our job as Christians, as the body of Christ, to just follow the orders of the brain. If my hand questioned my brain every time I wanted to do something, I'd be in a lot of trouble. A lot. (laughs) And sometimes we do that as the body of Christ. Can you imagine that? If, if right now the body of Christ was turned into an actual person, it would be misshapen, deformed, dysfunctional. It would not be natural. That's a problem. That's a serious, serious problem. We'd have, we'd have some arms detached from the body. We'd have some toes not listening to what the feet is saying. And I say that, and it sounds funny, but that's, that's not good. If we saw a person walk, like, walk into our church like that, what would we do? We would rush to go help them. Why are we not doing that to ourselves? We have all these denominations between the, between the churches, all these separations between Christians, all these debates over what is godly and what is not. I'll tell you what is godly. Spreading the word of Jesus Christ. Why are we not doing that? The arms are questioning the orders of the head. They get afraid of what might happen if they listen. If any of you have tried to fix plumbing before, if your arms were able to reject your orders of the brain and you were your plumber, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Having to stick your hands in nasty pipes, sewer lines, gross. Your arm doesn't want to do that, but it has to. You're a plumber. That's your job. Why are we always fighting God's orders It needs to stop. And now you might say, Jay, well, how can we do that? I pray all the time. I read my Bible. Why? I I, I think I'm doing what I can. Well, then that's good. Good for you. But 
Well, if you're doing what you can, that's great. If you know you're doing the work of God, that's awesome, and I believe you. Go out and help someone else. If you know you have a friend who's not a Christian or who's not exactly solid in their beliefs, go out, reach out to them, help them, invite them to a Bible study or something, I don't know. If you know a friend is struggling with something or, or you have a good thought on a certain scripture, share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Spread the light of God. That's what we are called to do. Not just to the people who, haven't, who don't know the light, but to ourselves. I remember an interesting description of the church in outreach where um, there are two like flows of outreach that the church does. There's one flow that is outward, and that's missionaries like to Honduras, Africa, Haiti, other people in our community who don't know Jesus. That's, that's the outer circle. The inner circle is to ourselves and in our community. If you're a doctor who's trying to help out people, and you're sick, and you don't even know how or why or what your sickness is, and you find somebody with your same sickness, can you treat them? No. You have to learn about your sickness yourself and treat yourself before you can treat the others. That's what Jesus was saying whenever he said, before you judge the splinter or the speck of dust in your fellow's eye, take out the plank that is in yours. Now, I'm not saying don't criticize other people's behaviors because sometimes that is needed. Recently, one of my friends, I had to confront him about doing drugs. I was like, why are you doing this? And anyways, that's a different story, but I loved him. I, I did that so that he could stop. I didn't want to just beat up on him. I did that out of love. And so I could teach him that that's not the right thing to do. But we can't just indiscriminately go around and say, oh, you, you did that. You're bad. I'm better than you. I didn't do that. You did that. I, I'm, I'm all right because I didn't do that. That's not how Christians work. Not at all. Yes, homosexuality is a sin. I've said it. I'm not going to go out and condemn every gay person I know. That is, did Jesus do that? No. Now, I don't want to stand up here and just condemn and do a Jeremiah and, <clears throat> excuse me, do a Jeremiah and just rain down fire on you. I'm just here as a reminder to go back, go back to what they did in the 70s and the 80s. What would Jesus do? That was that big movement, right? Keep that in your hearts. I'm completely off my paper now. So that's about all I got. Thank you.